1: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: This podcast is supported in part by Australian Ethical.
4: G'day Lewis. Hello Daniel, how are you? Good, you're not doing the podcast tonight because you're doing something else? (laughs) Yes, I am at the uh, red carpet of the ARIA Awards, uh, Australian Music's night of night. Oh my god, oh my god,
1: you are just going from awards (laughs) night to awards (laughs) night, aren't you? Yeah, although I don't think I'm going to win anything at this one, if I'm honest. <laughs> Earlier this week, Lewis and I were at the Australian Podcast Awards and we uh, we somehow managed to win again. So uh, yeah, big thank you to everyone who supports our show and listens, including those who uh, go to other award nights like you, Lewis.
4: Yes. So, thanks, Dad. Sorry, I'm just here with, uh, with Dylan Olcott. He's trying to get me to, I don't know, get up to some mischief, I think. Put him on the phone. Can we talk to him? I I will give give me one sec.
1: Is this podcast of the year award winner, Daniel? It is, it is, it is. Oh my All god! I'm, right talking, up, I, I'm talking to multiple uh, title award winner of the year, Dylan Orcott. Dylan, you've been, you been he... carrying Hobart for years, <laughs> just like I was back in the heyday.
4: <laughs> <laughs> what are the what are the R, uh, what are the R in red carpets like right now?
1: I kissed top on the lips. That's so been good. Let me, let me ask you this question. You no, know, Hobber told a story about you meeting Elon Musk at Splendor in the Grass a few years ago. Is that true? Did you end up meeting Elon Musk?
4: That is a real story. Oh and my he God. wasn't doing photos. And then, because every time someone took a photo of him, he had his t shirt on that made him like holographic, so you couldn't see him.
1: No way. It, you know, was, way it, was, a- it was a t shirt uh, that was reflective. His reflective t shirt. And then I went up, he goes, I can't get near him. Hobber goes, Okay, go, go, watch this. I
4: rolled straight up. Like a like Make-A-Wish kid. And I wasn't that famous at this point. I said, Elon, Big Bang, got thought He's like, for you? Yes. And I got it, got a fucking photo. Of him. And Hobbit was like, fuck you. He was furious. It was the best thing ever. Real story. Great, great. Put Lewis back uh, on. See you, mate.
1: Oh. Yes. I just, I, just, um, I just wanted to verify that Elon Musk story. Yeah. No, it was true. I, I still think about it all the time. <laughs> All right, we're recording our part of the podcast on Gadigal Land and your Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. Let's start the show.
4: A Rational Fear contains naughty words like Brexit, Canberra B***,
1: Fair and Section 40 A Rational Fear recommends
3: listening by immature audiences. <laughs>
1: Tonight, the Wallabies are missing 40 of their best players due to injury, sparking concerns of forced conscription. And it's snowing in Australia, a few days out from summer, or as climate change deniers are calling it, it's a Christmas miracle. And Barack Obama announces his tour of Australia for March. Unfortunately, he didn't make the cutoff for a festival managed venue. That is just for the people on this show tonight. It's the 25th of November. We refuse to make any more iPhones. This is a rational fear.
4: Uh Irrational Fear!
1: G'day, welcome to Rational Fear. I'm your host, former crypto billionaire Dan Illich, and this is the podcast that takes the news and pours it over ice. Let's meet our fearmongers for tonight. She studied jazz at ANU, but studied comedy at the coalface of open mics, also known as Uke Newcomb. It's Stephanie Broadbridge. Steph, when Scott Morrison took out the uke on 60 Minutes, were you annoyed that uh, he was doing your bit? <laughs> no, I
2: actually got work out of that. <laughs> yeah, I did an ad where I had to play ukulele in front of his house and tell him that he should keep it up and he'll get better. No wait, what was that? Yeah, who, who, was, who was paying you to do that? It was for a soap company. <laughs> it made a lot of sense at the time.
1: <laughs> and he's one of Australia's sharpest and most original comedians, expert and hilarious, or so says the bio. He wrote himself on his website. It's one of my favourite content kings, Jack Druths. Jack, you've been doing so much great video work lately on your Instagram. What,
5: what's taking you so long to get to the medium? I was just pursuing a stand-up comedy, which I would recommend to no-one. It goes uh, nowhere. (laughs) It's a big waste of time for everyone. Uh, I know I'm stuck doing it. And earlier this week, I got to sit next to her on the
1: national broadcaster on Question Everything as she completely destroyed the ABC audience with her tampon jokes. <laughs> Tonight's co-pilot, Beck Melrose. Beck. Hello. You seem to get a great response from those jokes. That was amazing.
0: Yeah, there were a couple that uh, that really the audience winced at, but it was good fun. I really enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> Coming up later, we speak with Australia's most despised politician, according to Spectator magazine, about this weekend's Victorian election but first Here is a message from this week's sponsor. The Emir of Qatar has come to his senses. It's true, I have come to my senses. All stadiums must go at the Qatar Black Friday sale. Eight barely-used stadiums are going for next to nothing. Coincidentally, they're also currently standing next to nothing. Pristine seats, unused beer taps, mystery bones in the foundation. I don't know how that got there. Perfect if you're hosting your own World Cup. Ideal for creating an internment camp. Or if you're a New South Wales Premier just wanting to Buy a stadium to knock it down to get your mates to build you a new one just like it. These stadiums cost $200 billion but could be yours for a shipload of sheep. It's not a bad deal. Qatar's Black Friday stadium sale. An opportunity like this won't present itself until an autocratic regime bribes FIFA to make bad decisions again. Hey, it's our culture. Please respect it. Yes, it's their culture. This week's first beer, it is the World Cup time, of course, which means sentient beings from across the animal kingdom are being forced to do their things that their little brains never had in mind. And I'm not talking about gerbils and 1980s film stars. No, I'm talking about cats, (laughs) octopi, and now otters are being forced to play dumb games to predict the outcome of the winners of FIFA's World Cup. Now, Jack, is there a problem with using animals for helping humans place bets on football games?
5: I, like, I really like it. I get, that I like. I find <laughs> sports exciting, but I, this puts it to a next level to me. Like, there's just a weird like. Japan had an upset win against Germany, and it was predicted by this otter this time. And it's this very cute Japanese otter putting a ball in a bucket. And I was just thinking, like, they've got the the Japanese flag and the German flag on different buckets, and I just like that detail that they also like on top of us ex- being expected to believe that the otter has sort of like godly supernatural powers. On top of that, it also knows what Germany is. Like it's just got this understanding of like geography and what flags mean and stuff like that. Do you it work
0: for horse racing?
5: Maybe it's. I definitely feel like I'm. I'm in exactly the demographic where. Every bit of media I consume is trying to make me do sports gambling. Like if anything I watch is just like <laughs> do sports bet, bet on everything, please. And I'm <laughs> I'm not interested in gambling at all. And then I see something like this happen, and I'm like, okay, I could maybe I don't know. They got an octopus or something. This could be fun. I think it. I think it definitely works with binary,
1: right? Like, it definitely works with one Mm. selection or another. But horse racing, you need like 11 buckets (laughs) for the otter to put it in. Uh, Japan also has Olivia the Grey Parrot. The Grey Parrot doesn't actually have that much of a good record. It's more Uh, 50-50. We remember Paul the Octopus from 2010. I mean, I'm pretty sure all of us are old enough to remember that. Paul got eight games for that FIFA World Cup in 2010. That is extraordinary. He died later that year. I think he was just over... Exerted, <laughs> But he also died, like, the week after he got made the ambassador for the 2018 World Cup bid for England. So maybe he was like, no way. I There's no way I'm going to be an ambassador. I'm, I'm out of here, folks. It's
0: too much pressure when you're a gambler. you got to make sure the kids <laughs> yeah, are going to yeah. get Christmas presents. It's too hard.
1: When you're an octopus, you got to buy eight iPhones per person. <laughs> it's, uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's terrible. This is... A rational fear.
2: Paul, the octopus with the amazing psychic powers, has been found dead in a German aquarium.
1: He
4: made as many enemies as friends. Campaigns to get Paul got personal. There were death threats, dark mutterings about calamari salads. You are listening
1: to a very
3: rational fear.
1: This week's second fear, Ticketmaster and Live Nation are this week's anti-hero. When Taylor Swift's Eras Tour went on sale, all hell broke loose. 2.5 million people were asking Ticketmaster a few million times over the day, hey Ticketmaster, you got Swifty tickets or what? Resulting in 3.5 billion system requests, which slowed Ticketmaster to a crawl Uh, Eventually, 2.4 million verified customers got tickets, but it took a long, long time. Steph, what the hell is going on here? Should we be blaming Ticketmaster for being shit or should we blame Taylor Swift for being good?
2: Ah, neither. (laughs) 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 Well, I used to work for Ticketmaster, so... No way. You have the inside track So I have a little bit of inside... I don't know. I mean, honestly, it seems like... What she was asking for, this isn't funny, but it seems like what she was asking for was not going to happen because you just can't have that many people getting tickets at one time. But also people who buy tickets are the worst, like as someone who sold it to them, (laughs) I can tell you with absolute certainty because like how tickets work, right? There's like good tickets and everyone wants the good tickets, but there's only so many good tickets and people don't really get that. They're like, but I want the good tickets. It's like, yeah, but someone else already got them first. That's just how tickets work.
1: Yeah, I understand. Uh, you know, this happens to be every <laughs> Melbourne Comedy Festival. Uh, just <laughs> people want the good tickets.
2: Yeah. Also, why? I mean, okay, I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but Taylor Swift, like, why? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. Like, like, what's her? Oh. Why? Like, why is why is she a thing?
1: <laughs> Steph, are you are you trying to get this podcast cancelled? This is what's happening here. Are you Are trying to turn us into the anti-hero? Do you know what's going to happen? Some Swiftie's going to hear this and yeah. clip it and put it on Twitter and we'll, we're going to die.
2: Okay. Well, I would say to that person, have you heard Billie Holiday? She's very good, you know? like <laughs> go check out literally every other singer. She's not even the best one in the white category, you know? Like there's so many. <laughs> there's so many other singers. It's like. I mean, I saw an article in The Guardian where they analysed her lyrics like they mattered. Like, it is disgusting. Let's get the uh, the otter on board and just pick a bucket. Are we going to be cancelled or are we going to make
0: it through to the end of the year?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Something the interesting happened out of this whole thing is the... Tennessee Attorney General was so inundated by people trying to buy Taylor Swift tickets. They were were furious. They were hassling the Attorney General (laughs) of Tennessee to do something about it. Now, the Attorney General has then taken it up with Congress to try and break up Ticketmaster and Live Nation Mm. to make the whole system better. Isn't that bizarre? Like you, you put a show on sale and you annoy an attorney general so much that they've actually got to put laws in place to break up the company selling your tickets. So
5: good. so, like, brutal. To, sorry, <laughs> but just, like, the... I know the minimal levels of envy, I feel, around, like, just comedians who are selling a bit better than I am. Like, if you were, like, <laughs> here to be, like, oh, she's selling so well, she's, like... The government is involved, like they're yeah. breaking down <laughs> yes. corporations because of how well she's selling. How do yeah, I the government was that? involved the for
0: me too, but for the opposite reason.
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: The thing about Ariana Grande, all she ever wanted to be was Ariana Venti.
0: Very, <laughs> very so, good.
1: That's, uh, that's, a, that's a Starbucks joke. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Steph, I read a thing that the, the tickets were going for like 50 grand or something.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. I saw $35,000 to hear Whoa. Taylor Swift sing lyrics such as, sometimes I feel like everybody is a sexy baby and I'm a monster on the hill. Wow. Me too.
1: Yep. But, you know, she sings it, stiff. She doesn't say it like that, you know. She's got some, you know, stuff around it.
2: Like what, like music? <laughs> 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 yeah. All right, this is, how bad, half this, this is how bad I think Taylor Swift's songs are. I actually wrote one.
4: Okay, great. If
2: you want me to sing it, if that's okay. I love this. Yeah, we're um, ready.
4: We're ready. I just wrote great.
2: one just based around what happened with the Ticketmaster incident. Yeah, just basically a bunch of words all put together that make no sense but sound like a Taylor Swift song. I brought my ukulele. <laughs> awesome.
1: Awesome. <laughs>
2: Fans were buying tickets Got attacked by several bears Crying doves are made of pasta You're a spoon, I am the mayor Space and wool and sunlight Sparkling in the sky like broken glass I'm just saying random (laughs) words That I pulled out my ass There you go Wow
3: That was actually Uh,
2: really beautiful uh, Irrational Fear
3: Live Nation is trying to blame The ultimate popularity of Taylor Swift It's me i the problem. is irrational fear.
1: This week's third fear. If you're feeling overworked and underpaid and you feel like you're getting ripped off everywhere you go, it's because you are. <laughs> irrational fears. Th- Favourite think tank, the Australian Institute has crunched the numbers and apparently the average Australian worker is being ripped off by their boss to the tune of $8,000 of unpaid overtime. Since I'm my own boss, I can't wait to tell myself that I fucking quit! (laughs) It works out to be about $93 billion a year. What were you going to do with all that cash?
0: Well, we could apparently fix the cost of living crisis is what the ABC (laughs) is reporting today. And we need to. Like, the cost of living crisis is so bad at the moment that Keeping Up with the Kardashians, their latest series, is just called The Kardashians. That's true. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like, they've looked and gone. No one's keeping up. No,
0: like, I mean, (laughs) 7.3%. There's no way we're catching them now with inflation that high. So we definitely could do with the extra $93 billion, I think. But, you know, it's just so much overtime as well. There was something like 2.5 billion hours that we're giving bosses in overtime. And I know a lot of us are working from home, so about... 2 billion of those hours have been spent just jiggling your mouse so it looks like you're active on Microsoft Teams.
2: But (laughs) still, you know,
0: that's wage theft. It's no good.
1: Full-timers are effectively donating more than six weeks a year to their employers. Six weeks. Is your boss worth an extra six weeks a year? No
0: way. Most workers don't like their bosses, right? There are some great bosses out there. Dan, you're a great boss. You're, you're your own boss, right? Like, that's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> but there are so many bosses out there that are not. Like, my mates have got a boss that they call Stitch because he can fit his job description through the eye of a needle. Like, you're not getting <laughs> six weeks to that guy. You know? We had a boss that we called Shadow because he disappeared at midday, and if you saw him in the afternoon, he'd just be so strung out. It's like, you don't want to give him time to these people. <laughs> You don't be working for the one called Vaccine either because you kind of rely on him, but he's an absolute prick. (laughs) No
5: good. Without the context of why, I would love to have a boss named Shadow. That sounds like, if I was had a job interview and they're like, this is the boss, Shadow, I'd be like, oh, well, hell yeah. This is- I mean,
0: it sounds like the job yeah, that you're cool. doing is definitely a black market job, I've got to
5: yeah,
1: say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you're working for a villain in the Teenage Mutant Ninja turtles. Yeah, exactly. totally. As comedians, we are entrepreneurs. We kind of do work for ourselves. Do you think we should give ourselves six weeks off?
0: Yeah, I reckon we should also start having Friday night drinks with ourselves um, too. I've been making that a tradition <laughs> in my household. Friday night drinks goes off.
5: <laughs> I think I'm going to reframe uh, unemployment as just giving myself six weeks off. I'm just very generous with my holiday time this year. And yeah, you're just a good
0: employer. You're a fair yeah, employer.
5: It's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. At my place of employment, I'm allowed to take as many holidays as I
1: like. It's great. <laughs>
2: I am definitely not working that overtime. I don't know. I reckon I work 20 minutes a day. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing comedians are definitely bringing
0: down the national average mm, in terms of yeah. hours, aren't we? <laughs>
5: Comedians, we get people are mad at us if we go thirty seconds long at a gig. It's like people <laughs> think you're like you're difficult to work with if you do an extra thirty seconds. That's, so
0: That's very true.
5: Steph, I'm so sorry for making you work forty minutes tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry for that. So sorry. About that. When I was getting ready for this, I was thinking about times that I've like had to do extra work, and there was. so I used to be a writer on the TV show The Project, and there was some kind of like just some sort of rostering issue where I had to come in early one time and I really didn't want to, but I was just like, that happened every now and then. But I was in there a lot earlier than everyone else was this day and I was just like cranky about it, not happy, just by myself drinking coffee. And there's, there was a TV monitor that was like used for live feeds of crosses and interviews and stuff. And I was just like sad alone in a room and the monitor just turned on and it was uh, the, the musician Shaggy was just it was a live stream to Shaggy, just waiting for an interview, just not knowing anyone was no one was attended to him yet. No one from the project had said hello. He was in early to do some cross from like his time zone, I guess. And I just got like a full minute of just Shaggy not knowing anyone could see him, just alone in the (laughs) wild. I was like, this is this is the best case scenario for coming in this early.
0: Yeah, g'day, Shaggy. I know you're supposed to have a chaperone, but it wasn't me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that.
1: When we come back, we're going to be talking to Fiona Patton, Victorian MP, all about the Victorian election in just a moment. Irrational Fear. I've met children that were named off my songs. You know, fans that come up and they say, OK, this is Carlos Bombastic Johnson. <laughs> Irrational Fear. Just interrupting the podcast uh, with Lewis Hobber on the red carpet of the Arias. Now, you are about to see a whole bunch of award winners, aren't you? Yes, I am. I think I am. Well, let me tell you, in terms of sponsors, our sponsor is an award winner. They won Money Magazine's Best of the Best in 2022. They are awesome. Australian ethical... Put your money there if you want to. They only invest in low-carbon businesses like renewable energy, IT, healthcare, and education, while telling companies that do stuff like fossil fuels and gambling and tobacco to go and get fucked. That's kind of our kind of people. Speaking of um, nefarious activities, Lewis, are you going to be doing any gambling or uh, or human trafficking while you're at the Arias? I, I might do some Wilkins trafficking. There's, there are at least four Wilkinses
4: here. <laughs> I can see Christian at the moment. He, he's looking. He's looking beautiful. Uh, I saw um, Richard before. I assume there are several other uh, sort of unclaimed members of the Wilkins family wandering around. What
1: I want to know is when are they going to start their own reality TV show like the Kardashians? It's a great question.
4: It's a great question. I would watch it. In fact, I'm watching it right now. <laughs> so big thanks
1: to Australian Ethical. Let's get back to the podcast. This is a rational fear.
0: A
3: rational.
1: And we're back. Last December, our interview guest won the prestigious Australia's Most Despised Politician of the Year from Spectator magazine. And this weekend, she goes head to head with a whole spectrum of people who are not just despised, but uh, utterly, thoroughly uh, hated. It's in the Victorian election. She's the uh, leader of the Reason Party, and it's with great pleasure we bring Fiona Patton to the podcast. Welcome, Fiona. Uh,
3: Thank you, Dan. And um... Yeah, I'm not sure it's a title that I will be able to keep after this weekend, but well, we'll <laughs> see. You
1: know? Who who would you who would you bestow it upon, or are you of a, a person of good character you wouldn't even dare?
3: Look, I, I, you know, I feel like if I utter their name, then I'm just giving them extra extra <laughs> media. But you know, to be honest, their supporters may not be watching you guys. I know that might come as a shock, but look, I'd say. <laughs> Adam Somirek and Bernie Finn have got to be neck and neck for for that title. Um, But there's lots of people running in this election who could get that title if they got elected.
1: Let's just talk about that because um, it strikes me, as someone who's travelled to Melbourne quite a few times Mm. over the last six months... Every time I'm in Melbourne, there appears to be a protest and those people are often uh, requesting their freedom, but obviously they've been free for some time. What the hell is happening with this group called the Cookers?
3: They're starting that rhetoric now where they're going, no, you are. No, I'm not a cooker. You are. You're a cooker. Uh, Yeah, they're like hipsters. They don't self-identify. No, that's right. So, you know, they're calling Dan Andrews a cooker, I'm a cooker, we're all cookers. But... I don't know the particular origins of it, but I I recently had an operation and i bloody nearly lost my stitches because um, people keep posting cooker videos and seriously, like there was one today where they're, they're chasing this guy who's just gone out for a sneaky cigarette and they're going, are you a Freemason? Are you a Freemason? <laughs> and they're going, this guy's going, no, man, I don't even know what Freemasons are. Like what are they? Anyway, yeah, these guys march every Saturday. They close the tram lines. They yeah. go and yell at the win the Christmas windows outside David Jones and Meyer. and now they're running for election. So we've I just actually I left a pre-poll booth uh, just a, just a half an hour ago, and the police had been called. I think I'm aware of about ten times the police have been called to polling booths in pre-poll so far, and we still haven't even hit election day. Wow! The Freedom Party is getting um, pretty loose.
1: Cookers aside, what is at stake this this weekend in Victoria for the Victorian election, what are the what are the main fault lines we're looking at?
3: You know, I mean, the lower house is interesting, and I think m- many of the the independents who are running are kind of community independents. They're progressive. Um, they're chasing liberal seats, so most of them, if they are successful, they'll be knocking out um, liberal MPs. But I'm not hearing it as much in Northern Metro, in the North Melbourne where I'm from, but in some of the southern areas, there, there's a fair bit of, you know, Daniel Andrews hating. So the polls are tightening. I still think that, that the Labor Party will win this election and still will hold a majority. It's the upper house that we could, you know, like at the moment, there's 11 benches in the upper house and, you know, it makes yeah. for pretty interesting conversations. And But we've managed to get quite a bit of progressive legislation through and it's been quite effective. That might end after this election. In the upper house, we could see a really hostile upper house and you might have a progressive lower house with a bunch of good independents trying to change things on climate change, on equality, on reproductive rights, and then you've got the upper house blocking everything. And certainly, you know, with the people that the Liberal Party have pre-selected to the absolutely winnable upper house seats, it's not looking like it's going to be that much fun on those red velvet seats. Now you've got, for, you know, many of you are from Sydney. You've got Fred Nile. I mean, Bernie Finn, <laughs> it's Fred Nile to shame. I'm afraid that I, you know, he. Um, well, maybe Fred before he was wearing his pajamas to the the council and before, <laughs> you know, before he brought in his wife slash carer into the council into the parliament. Mm. But yeah, we've got some pretty crazy ones and. Some pretty crazy females coming in to the upper house.
1: These aren't like Cooker candidates. These are liberals you're talking
3: about. They, they, they've been pre-selecting evangelical Christians who don't believe in climate change, who don't believe in abortion, mm-hmm. who don't believe in equality, who believe that you know women should be men should be obeyed. Yeah, they will be sitting on our seats and representing um, Victoria and Victorians. And it is it is actually pretty frightening and. It's hard to even understand why they're making these decisions, but I think they still seem to think that religion is a vote winner and Mm. it's not.
1: And we saw mm-hmm. last federal election that that's the case. You know, like so many folks have kind of turned away from religion and like dumped those evangelical candidates. Yeah, it's so strange. Well, I just want to ask you about the Labor Party tactics mm. for a second. I mean, I'm interested to know where you kind of stand. The Labor Party have been running a whole bunch of attack ads against the Greens. And they've run this this website call to action called Green Facts. Yes. It's kind of spreading these rumours about right. the Greens. What do you think about that kind of election tactic? That doesn't seem good. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, it's a radical theory, but if I get re-elected I do want to kind of push on it, is like truth in political advertising. Why not try this? Uh, because... It's ridiculous. And in actual fact, I think it backfires. I actually think it it actually sends more people to the Greens. Looking at some of their other ads against the Liberal Party, they seem to do one negative, you know, Matthew Guy's terrible, and then another one, look how great we are, look at all the, you know, hard hats we're wearing and look at all the cool stuff we're building. But, yeah, I don't actually think um, they're not building it themselves. We know that. But, yeah, you know. But I, I do think... Uh, <laughs> They, like hard, like, they really do like they pretend like they're like heading down to work to build the tunnel. Um, <laughs> they're,
1: but they're not. I do think it's funny every time the Labour Party tweets about um, how many railway <laughs> road crossings they've removed. I I want to see them tweet every time they hand out a tampon. No, I <laughs> want
3: to see them.
1: We've handed out 24 tampons.
3: <laughs> yep. Yep, I'm. I'm. Look, I'm excited for that too. We've had free tampons at Parliament House for quite a few oh. for a couple a few years now, and they also brought in pads. that whoever was buying them wasn't female, oh, and no. so they just brought the <laughs> incontinence pads, not the oh no,
0: pads. <laughs> That is the most Australian government
2: thing I have ever heard. They need
3: those in the men's room. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And Fiona, how are you sitting for this weekend? How's your seat?
3: Uh, My seat's always precarious. So, like, if if I lose it, it will probably be to a guy called Adam Somirek, who is a disgraced Labor Party minister um, who's... Lives down in the south of south of Victoria. He's running in the north of north of Melbourne. He could pick up the seat because there's, you know, many people. Yeah. I,
1: when when my grandmother died, he came around the house and asked for her ATM cards. Yeah, so right. I just gave yeah, them the look, and the, he the prefers numbers cash, and, um, Dan. Yeah, but um,
3: yeah. um yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, <laughs> he, he can work with cards. He signed
1: like she she was dead for a week or two, but and she like he signed it in her straight up uh, to the to the Liberal yeah, Party. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, he he like, had yeah. oh, yeah.
3: isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, well, you know the, the, he's joined up with Bernie Finn, the disgraced Liberal member who got kicked out of the Liberal Party, which given the people that they pre-selected must be really bloody hard to do to get kicked out of that party for being <laughs> too right-wing. I think they're now regretting it because the people who've replaced him are probably even more right-wing. But, yeah, those two are running together, so that will be m- one of my threats. And, and uh, you know, and on the, on the booths I've got the socialists who are they're kind of telling me that, you know, if they get elected, they will increase the pensions, uh, they will lower the ta- lower taxes, and they will save all of the refugees, which good on them, excellent, if it was a federal election.
0: That's like those uh, school captain speeches where you promise chocolate milk in the bubblers and water slides. It's like, yeah, it sounds good, but actually you can't control that, can you?
3: You can't <laughs> actually do any of that. Um, but it's, you know, it's yet today I had the sort of socialists yelling at me and the Freedom Party yelling at me. So I felt like I was in the right place. That, oh, that's you know, great. Yeah. both ends were kind of, yeah, really going a lot of hate on me. And I was like, all right, this must be, I must be in the good place. <laughs>
0: what, a, what a terrible sign well, that you're in the good place. Is that the worst part of campaigning? <laughs> that sounds awful, Fiona.
1: At least you're not in the Big Bang Theory, Fiona. No,
3: that's, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. That's right. Well... Yeah, you know, if I actually listen to the Freedom Fighters, that, that may actually be what they were telling me. Um, that <laughs> They've certainly been worried about what the government will do to the weather for Election Day.
1: Well, it's snowing in the Alps and it's only it's about to become summer, so climate change isn't a thing, Fiona. As we all know, this is what I'm going to be telling yeah. people at my Christmas barbecue. Yeah.
3: but those floods, the government did that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Fiona... Good luck um, this weekend. Um, Thank you for coming on Irrational Fear. That is it for Irrational Fear. Let's get our plugs underway. Steph Broadbridge, what would you like to plug?
2: I have nothing to plug, but thank you.
1: (laughs) That is not true. <laughs> Beck Melrose, you got to plug anything?
0: Um, I think you should follow Steph Broadbridge. <laughs> and Also, <laughs> you should follow me at Beck Melrose on Instagram.
1: Jack Drews, you've got a big show coming out on YouTube this week.
5: Yeah, I did uh, recorded my stand-up show uh, from uh, last year, I guess, which got more than last year. It got canned like three or four times during the pandemic trying to film it, so I finally got it out there. It'll be up on my YouTube channel, which is Search Jack Drews, and that'll be out for free on YouTube. On uh, next Tuesday, uh, November 29th. And uh, I've also, as Dan mentioned at the beginning, been making a bunch of uh, just sketches and that kind of thing that are also on the YouTube. If you want to check it out and subscribe, but that would be great.
1: I thought you were gonna say I've been I recorded my show, which got, and I thought, oh, here comes like five stars oh, and yeah. the <laughs> Like, no, <laughs> got <can>. no, got <laughs> shut down, got shut down. And Fiona, anything you'd like to plug?
3: State election, don't miss it, pop down, I'll be saying my name like 60 times a minute. Hello, I'm Fiona Patton. Hello, I'm Fiona Patton. (laughs) And handing out pictures of myself, which um, all becomes quite surreal.
0: That sounds like a Melbourne Comedy Festival show, really, Fiona. That's something we're very familiar with.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're talking to a a bunch of comedians who do this (laughs) day in, day out. So it's totally fine.
0: And, Dan, you've also got a plug at Question Everything. Watch Dan Elish on Question Everything. Absolutely killed it. It's so funny.
1: Watch Beck Melrose and myself and Wendy Harmer on Question Everything on iView. And I want to shout out to all of our Patreon supporters who signed up this week. Irene, thank you. Oh, Paul Kidd joined us. One of my favourite people on Twitter joined us. Diana joined us and also Carmen Champion also joined us. Thank you, all those people. And please, um, a big thank you to everyone who was who may be a judge on the Australian uh, Podcast Awards. i got the big trophy right here. Hey. Fantastic. Three in a row. We absolutely didn't think that we would have won uh, again because we thought Tony and Ryan might have won because they got millions of dollars from Spotify to do their show. <laughs> but, hey, you know, we get hundreds of dollars from Patreon, so that's great. Big thank you to um, Roadmikes, Strain Ethical, who also support the show, um, and all of our Patreon supporters, Jacob Brown on the Tampanyaki Timeline. Big thank you to Lewis and Dylan Alcott uh, at the beginning of the show calling in. That was terrific. And, um, yeah, until next week, there's always something to be scared of. Good night.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.